Open up in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4. Amen. We want to welcome those of you that are watching by live stream this morning. Pray a blessing over your lives. We want to ask you if you take a moment to just share this live stream. That would be great. Uh, never know who's going to be listening now and who can listen later, and it will be a blessing to them. I just like to change things up a little bit this morning. You know, something that God laid upon my heart was to leave the church in a fresh commitment, a fresh understanding, a fresh awareness of becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. So something that we have planned and prepared for is to begin to cast a vision, to begin to share, to begin to teach, to begin to lead the church in discipleship. And what that simply means is a disciple is one who truly follows Jesus and becomes like him. And uh, so, so that's something we're planning for, we're preparing for. We have um, we've begun to uh, cast vision and prepare for our youth uh, and our children and our life. We're going to walk through the life of Christ and we're going to see how he, the master teacher, the master preacher, the master leader, led his disciples so that they can become a powerful influence that would change the course of history. But I say all that to say, I'm going to start next week. <laughs> I just felt that we have, we have several uh, key people that... Uh, not here this morning. We have, uh, um, you know, we're going to be missing some people this week, and, and it's going to just throw things off. And I want to give, I want to give just uh, a, a real uh, focus and 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 allow for a maximum impact with this teaching. So as I began to pray this morning, I just felt the Lord just lay upon me uh, a few thoughts. Now, I, I have my message here that I've, I don't know, worked maybe 10, 12 hours preparing it, prepared, working on it yesterday. Um, so I'm going to just put it over here. Uh, if, if I take a few moments and this doesn't go good, I'm going to go back to this. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. But, but something that God laid upon my heart that I want to just minister to you, and, and I, want, I want you in your heart of hearts this morning. We're, we're in 2022. We all expect you know, the, the turning of a calendar, there's this hope, there's, there's, there's this expectation. Well, you know, this year is going to be different. Amen. You know, some of us are so happy. 2021. And we're saying, okay, 2022 is here. So it's going to be different. I hate to break it to you. It's not. It's not unless you're intentional. It's not unless we change our perspective and our thinking. If not, we're bringing our old thinking into a new year, and that new year is going to become old like our old thinking. 
I want 2022 to be different. I want it to be dynamic. I want it to be uh, filled with possibilities and anticipation of good things, of great things that God wants to do. But I realize there's some things that have to change on the inside of me, in my mind, in my spirit, in my heart, so that I can receive that. So I want to share a few thoughts with you. I want to challenge you with that, especially coming through five days of prayer and fasting. Like I said before, we don't just do this for the fun of it. (laughs) We do this because we are the people of God and we believe in a great and awesome God that does miracles, who responds to the pleas, to the fastings, to the prayers of his people. We have a Bible that, that, that we can walk through from Genesis to Revelation where we see people who were hungry for God, desperate for God, who began to pray and seek God, and God did some awesome things. We have 2,000 years of church history where we've seen God work in revivals and and, and, and movements and, and, and cataclysmic changes in our culture because there were people who positioned themselves and they made room for God to work. When you and I wake up in the morning, we look in the mirror, I want you to understand, I want you to get this. No one is hindering your destiny. The only one that's hindering your destiny is the one you're, the reflection in that mirror. <laughs> no one could hinder your destiny. No person could hinder your destiny. No, no, no crisis could hinder your destiny without your permission. But you and I realize that when we look in the mirror, it's, it's just, you know, God, we need your grace. We need your strength. We need your wisdom. We need your help. We need your miracle working power. And I believe God will do it. When you sit there this morning, you know, I can, I can preach things, I can teach things, and many of you have already heard it. Some of you have preached it. Some of you have taught it. Some of you have shared it. Some of you have tweeted it. Some of you have heard greater preachers, not too many greater than your pastor, but they've said. But, but you know what I've learned? You don't know it till you know it. You don't get it until you get it. And there are a lot of times we sit in the congregation, and and, and I could be guilty of it myself, we hear things and we think we know it. (laughs) We hear things and we think we're getting it. But you don't. You really don't. A lot of times, I mean, we we could preach till we're blue in the face, whatever that means. We could teach and we can say things, but it's like not getting it. You you hear the words, but it's quite another thing to really get it. And what blesses me as a pastor, as as a leader and trying to help people is when somebody sits in my office and I know they got it. I'm not trying to convince them anymore. Oh, you've got to read your Bible. You've got to pray. You've got to get involved in ministry because it'll help you. You'll grow. You'll be blessed. You'll, you'll experience a difference. I don't have to tell them. Now they're telling me. Then you know they got it. They're not just hearing the letter of the words or the, or, or, or the letter of the law, so to speak, but the spirit of it now. 
I want to call somebody up and, 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 and just ask them. Um, you're wondering, is it I, Lord? Is it I? No, we, we plan for this person. Lawrence, would you come on up? Lawrence, would you give a, uh, just a welcome to Lawrence this morning? Lawrence is someone who sat across from my desk this past week and just shared with me uh, something that God had done in his life. And it just blessed me so much because it encapsulizes really what it means to, to become a disciple and also to make disciples. And, and I just asked him to take just three, four minutes to share um, what God did in his life and, and how, how he got it, and, but, he, but he really got it. Amen, Lawrence. Thank you for sharing. Come and tell the people. Makes it look better. You're welcome. Oh, thank you, Pastor Richard. Thank you. All right. Oh, Victory, good morning. So my name is Lawrence, and uh, um, I have to say that I don't sing too well, so I'll offer the testimony instead. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Victory, um, for, for many years of my life, you know, ever since I was like, you know, we all know that. In fact, in my home growing up, you know, no matter where you stood, whether you stood in the living room or in the kitchen or in the bedroom, you were always about 10 feet away from a Bible at any point. And so I knew the Bible was important. I knew that I have to sit down and dedicate time towards this book. You know, there's something in it. I need to read it. But reading it was a different story. Reading the Bible was the biggest challenge I'd ever faced. From, from 10 to 15 years old, 20 years old, it didn't matter. I just couldn't. And it's not that I didn't want to. I tried. You know what? I, I, I've opened Genesis and read the first page of Genesis probably 50 times. All right? Now, the problem is getting past it, you know, I always had the best sleeps right after that one page. Every time. It, it, was, it was wonderful. So, you know, and, and just growing up in, in my years, you know, I, I got into my 20s. I, I turned 25. I met my wife. You know, we had children. You know, and all of that. You know, and still, I'd open the first page of Genesis and say, oh, Lord, I can't get past this one page. Why? And so I became frustrated, and I, I just put it into prayer. I, I, I literally stood down and said, Lord, you know, show me that you are God. Help me to understand the wisdom and the words that are in this book. Open it to me, Lord. I'm, I'm eager. And so that's when all of a sudden, you know, I come to church one day and uh, Pastor Richard says, all right, you know, we've got one-year Bibles, all right? So go get one. Trust me, it'll change your life. Pastor Mike is saying that all the time. I don't know if anyone heard, but last week he stood up here and said, we have one-year Bibles. It'll change your life. And you know what, um, like, like me at one point, you know, it probably went through one ear and out the other for many people. And so, you know, the Holy Spirit guided me to basically come up here and give this testimony. And so when I went to pastor's office and I was talking to him and he, he said, yeah, yeah, keep talking. You're talking yourself right into a testimony, you know. I said, no problem. You know what, the Holy Spirit wants me up here. He wants me up here. And hopefully someone will understand and someone who will really hear. And so, you know. He said four minutes, or I apologize ahead of time, all right, you know. But so I started reading the Bible, and my goal was, all right, you know what, just stick with it. The one-year Bible was organized very well where, you know, every single day, you know, just take 10, 15 minutes, 
and read it. You know, and, and within one year, you would have gone through the entire Bible. Some people think, oh, it's summarized. No, 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 it's not. You know, you would have gone through every single ounce of the Bible. And so I committed myself saying, all right, all I have to do is, all right, 10, 15 minutes a day, just stick with it. No matter what happens, all right, stick with it. So every single morning, I'd wake up and I'd stick with it. I'd start reading and reading and reading and reading and reading. And what I noticed started happening, you know, once I got past Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, is that it's, it turned from a goal of mine to a passion. Now, now I'm starting to read, and, and I'm starting to get answers that no man can give me. And, and, and I'm learning, and I'm going through it one bit at a time, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying, what? It, it got to a point, you know, just, just fast forwarding. I got to Corinthians, and I said, oh, God, why didn't I read this when I was 17? You, you know, and so, you know, the, the things that God broke down to me in this Bible, I can stand up here for, for two sermons and, and really go over that, you know. But for the interest of time, I, I, will, I will share with you three things that I realized once I flipped that very last page of Revelations. The first thing is that, church, I can stand up here and tell you that God loves you, but it's nothing like him telling you himself through his living word. Nothing is. It, it changed the battlefield for me. Now, in war, when there are two sides battling, all right, once one side gets a competitive advantage, the scales tip. And that's usually because they get some kind of great weapon or a new bomb. That's exactly what happened for me. And, and the weapon that I got was finding out about prayer and fasting. I mean, you can hear about prayer. Oh, go pray. Make sure you pray today. Have you prayed today? You know, but you have no idea till God showed you himself what prayer is all about. The way I deal with fear, with anxiety, with just foresight of the future, the whole weight that I held on my, my head as a husband, as a father, God the whole time was saying, just lay it at my feet and go to sleep and relax. I, I, I'll tell you one thing about prayer, all right? My wife always laughs when I say this, all right? Sorry, babe. You know, but I consider my wife a prayer warrior. So ever since I met her, ever since we got married, she would wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning and go to prayer. She'd be shaking up the house, screaming, yelling, you know, and, and me, I'm like, babe, can you please not wake me up? And, and now I beat her to it. You know, we, we get up at the, the break of dawn and shake up the house together. Oh, I could keep going. The, 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 the last thing, <laughs> the, the last thing is, I think one of my favorite is that it gives you a burning desire to share the news with anyone and everyone as quickly as possible. No matter where it is, it could be your next door neighbor, your mailman, you know, even at work. You know, I find myself at work talking to people about Jesus Christ and they listen. And so, you know, people of God, I will tell you, 
that, first of all, if there's anyone out there who's facing the difficulties that I went through in trying to just simply open a single page, you know, first of all, committed to prayer, committed to prayer. And second of all, go grab a one-year Bible. It'll change your life. All right. Amen. What a good, good word. I always say the best advertisement is a satisfied customer. Amen. 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 We do have one year Bibles for your reading pleasure. Uh, understand we do not make a profit. It is not a fundraiser. We do not promote this because we get any kind of benefit from it except for your benefit for your blessing for you. And so uh, just want to share with you what a great testimony, what a great lead in and introduction to my message. I want to just share with you a few thoughts uh, from 2 uh, Kings chapter 4. Then we're going to pray and then we're going we're gonna to give at the end of the service. You're going to give so well today because you're going to be so fed. You're going to be so full of faith. You're going to be so excited. You're going to be emptying out your, your wallets, your pocketbooks, your, your Venmo, your credit card. You're, it's going to be an awesome powerful offering this morning. Amen. Second Kings chapter four. I want to talk to you about making room for God, making room for God. Now we just heard a testimony of a young man who made room, made a place, made a space for God to work. Second Kings chapter four, verse nine. I'm sorry. Verse, verse eight, all the way down uh, to verse 11. This is 2 Kings. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem where there was a notable woman and she constrained him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by that he turned in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there, a table, a chair, a lampstand, so it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned in to the upper room and he lay down. I want to speak to you this morning as, as a church, as individual followers of Christ, as people of faith this morning. I want our church to make room for God. I want us to create a space. We just came through five days of prayer and fasting. That was intentional. That, that was for a purpose, to make room for God to work. We want to make a room for God. In this passage of scripture, we're going to get into it, but, but the, the Bible tells us there was a notable woman who said to her husband, you know, there is a man of God who's passing by. Let's make room for him. Now, we want to make room. We want to make a place, a space for God to work. Now, you say, does God need a room? Does God need a space? 
Does God need a place to work? He's God. What can we make for God? What, what space could we make? Solomon, when he built that great and glorious temple that was a wonder of the then, then known world, he, he said, Lord, this temple is magnificent, but, but God, you're, you're God. Nothing, nothing could contain you. Not even the heavens of, of all the heavens can contain you. How much less this temple that I built? Hebrews chapter 11 verse, verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds, the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were created by things which are unseen. So, so this is God we're talking about. That, that the heavens of the heavens cannot contain him. Matter of fact, all of the worlds that have been formed, we have to understand by faith they were created by things that were unseen. Think about that. It's mind-boggling. All that we see, the glories of all the creation that we could actually see, whether it's through a, a telescope or, 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 or some high-powered, what, what was that called, the Hubble uh, uh, telescope. I mean, uh, they can't even get to the ends of the universe. So all that we see, so why do we need to make space for God? Well, because that's how God works. He needed the womb of a teenage girl to bring the savior of the world. He needed the womb. He needed the space of a willing vessel. He needed a boat to preach the gospel on the shores of Galilee. He borrowed a boat to have a pulpit, to have a vantage point to preach to the multitudes. He needed a donkey to come into the city of Jerusalem on the day of what we call Palm Sunday and his triumphal entry. He needed, he says, the master has need of. He needed a borrowed tomb. I love that. He had to borrow the tomb. He didn't need it for more, for more than three days because he wasn't going to stay in that tomb because up from the grave he arose triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. What a mighty God we serve. He needs space. He needs room. And, and here we have in, in this passage of scripture. And, and, and God, I, I want the Holy Spirit to quicken something in your heart and your spirit that, that says, God, I'm making room for you. God, I made room for you. God, I, I, I have that hunger and that thirst to see you work in my life and in my church and in my ministry. The Bible says... In verse 8, now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem. And there was a notable woman. The Bible says a notable woman. What does that mean? That means she was a woman of means. She had uh, resources. It means she was a woman of character. It means she was a woman uh, that, that stood out in her community. She, she, was, she was just different. She was, she was notable. She was remarkable. She wasn't just average. She was a notable woman, the Bible says. She was influential. influential. She had a lot of followers on TikTok and on Twitter. I mean, she was right up there. She was a powerful woman. The Bible says that Elisha went there. And the Bible says that he would pass by and he would come. Now I want you to understand something. 
Elisha was the move of God of that time. Elisha was the move of God at that time. You know, uh, for those of you who don't, he was the disciple of Elijah. Two different people. Wasn't, Elisha wasn't Elijah's wife. Wasn't Elijah and Elisha. No, they were both men. They were both prophets. Elijah, Elisha. And we know that Elisha followed Elijah. Elisha ministered to Elisha. Elisha was his servant, his, his minister. He, he was his mentor. And, and he was in training. And, and we know there came that time when, when Elisha was to go away. And, and Elisha said, I want a double portion. I want a double portion. I want the power of God. He had a hunger. He had a thirst. He had a desire for the, for the things of God. And, and he wanted and, and he cried out for that and, and, and he received that. And so here is Elisha. He's got a double portion. And Elisha, when we look at the scriptures, we see that he did twice as many miracles as Elijah. So what am I saying? I'm saying that he was the move of God. He was the, the power of God. He was, he was what God was doing in that time. And, and, and here is this woman. And, 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 and the Bible says in, in verse 8 that she constrained him to eat. I'm talking about in these few moments about making room for God in your life. I'm talking about getting the one-year Bible and reading through the Bible and hungering and thirsting after the truth and, and coming to life groups and learning how to be a disciple. I'm talking about making room for God to work in your life. God needs space. God needs room. God needs a place to work. And so the Bible says... She constrained, and, and I want to look at that just quickly, persistence. She was persistent. She constrained him. If you or I or this church is going to get anywhere with God and in God, it's going to be because there's a people that are persistent. She constrained him. He could have just passed by. In the Gospels, matter of fact, the Bible tells us of Jesus that, that he was walking with his disciples, and the Bible says he would have gone further. But they constrained him. They said, come and eat with us. Come and sup with us. Come and fellowship with us. They had to constrain. Why did Jesus go as if he would have went on? Because he wanted to see how much did they want him. Isn't that true? They wanted, Jesus wanted to know, how much do you really want me? He would have gone further, the Bible says. And that lackadaisical spirit, not you guys, you're here. Uh, those that just want to come to church every once in a while, want to read their Bible every once in a while, want to serve every once in a while, want to give every once in a while, won't cut it. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to those from other churches. You're here, amen. You're making room for God. You're in a life group. You're giving, you're serving. God will honor that. That's part of the constraining. We see in the scriptures, Jacob, the Bible says, he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. He said, I will not let you go until you bless me. He had a, a persistence. So critical, so critical. We see this throughout the, the scriptures, a, a persistence of the people of God. Let me tell you, if you get easily offended, 
if you quit your ministry easily because no one appreciates you or, you know, well, that's not my ministry. I don't be doing that or, you know, or God's call. You know, you're an easy target for the enemy. If you want to serve in ministry, you better learn how to get offended. <laughs> you think you get offended just coming to church. My God, that's, that's kids play. Someone didn't say hi to me. Somebody didn't acknowledge me. Somebody didn't pat me on the back. That's, that's, that's small potatoes. See, and the devil knows what he could use against you to get you to leave the church, to quit your ministry, to get a bad attitude, to not pray for the church. He knows what buttons to push. The devil's been doing this for thousands of years. We've got to get wise. We've got to, we've got to have that, that determination that, that constrains us. Some people still don't come to church. God, have mercy. They're still blaming things on their, on their pastor, on their past, on their upbringing. It's time where you rise up and you say, no, I take responsibility. Listen, if I blame things for my upbringing on my father, you know, God rest his soul, he's going to blame things on his father. And his father's going to blame things on his father, the way he was brought up. And his father, you know where it's going back to? Adam and Eve. Hello? <laughs> Lord Jesus, come on now, the blame game. But we've got to get over that. We've got to be persistent. Push away distractions. Push away people that, that, that offend us. Push away those thoughts. Push away those things and keep pressing on. This woman, the Bible says she constrained him. Why? Because he was the move of God and it was more important than all those other things. Secondly, she had perception. She had perception. Look what she said to her husband. She said, look now, I know this is a holy man of God. Perception. She said to her husband, listen, I sense something about this man. I have perception. You say, oh, pastor, that's pretty elementary. The devil is a liar. It is not that elementary. You know how many people I find over the years in church that believe such idiotic, foolish things about people in ministry, they, they follow people in ministry that are cotton, they're out of their minds. Out of their minds. I could tell you stories about people who've come through this church and told me about ministries and churches and pastors and so-called bishops that, that robbed money off of them. I mean crazy things that said foolish things on how church people ought to respect their leaders to the point of like serving them and bowing down. Like crazy things. She perceived he was a man of God. The Bible says in 1 John, it says, discern the spirits to see whether they are of God. Do not believe every spirit. Just because somebody's on YouTube, because somebody's on Facebook, because somebody's shouting and blah, 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 and all this stuff, and, and, and you don't even know what you're saying amen to, but just because they're sweating and speaking in tongues and, and, and saying all these things. Come on, discern. I am telling the truth. Stay with me. Amen. Discern the spirits to see whether they are of God. And not only discern the spirits, discern the lifestyle. 
Paul said to Timothy, you've followed, you've carefully followed my lifestyle. You've seen my convictions. You've seen my commitment. You've seen, sometimes we follow people from such a distance just because they're on TV or whatever, and we don't know how they're living. And then when it comes out that they're involved in this crazy thing and that crazy thing, we're disillusioned. That's why it's nothing wrong with listening to good preachers and good ministry out there. But, but you've got to be connected to a local church. You've got to be invested in a local church. Come on. Somebody say amen. amen. She had perception. She had discernment. Says, I perceive he's a man of God. Not everybody perceived that. Not everybody was building a room. Not everybody was constraining Elisha. Not everybody was making room. It's still today, 2022, as God's people, we still have to discern and perceive and constrain God and say, God, I'm making room for you. It doesn't matter what culture's doing. It doesn't matter how crazy this world is. God doesn't change. This pandemic didn't take God by surprise. All the political confusion associated with it didn't take God by surprise. Somehow, way, the church has to rise up and make room for God. Not room for politics, not room for foolishness, not room, room for government agendas, but room for God and God Almighty. I perceive, have perception, filter out a lot of garbage. And then thirdly, she made preparation. She made preparation. Look what it says. It says that let's make a small upper room on, on the wall. Let's put a bed there, a table, a chair, a lampstand. When you make room for God, it, it means it costs you something. You know, anytime my wife and I, or if you've ever had people stay at your house, how many of you know when you make room for guests, it changes everything? You can't dress the way you normally dress. You can't walk around looking the way you normally look. You can't walk the way you normally walk. They're living downstairs. You gotta walk a little softer. I mean, we, we, we'll have people stay with us. We'll, we'll have a cleaner come to clean the house when we have guests. My wife, it's funny, we're gonna have a cleaner come. She said, make sure you clean the bathroom. We're having a cleaner come. It's gonna be clean for the cleaner. Make sure you make, your, make the bed. Make sure you, 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 set, you put away your shaving stuff. I mean, the cleaner's coming. That's why we got the cleaner coming, to clean that stuff. But when you have someone stay with you, you've got to make some adjustments. When, when God comes, when we create a room, when we create a space, we've got to prepare for that. Every church that has a move of God has to prepare. I know we live in instant culture, 15 minutes of fame. We live in just what's trending next. We think that, you know what, God will just show up if we just, just put out a sign, come Lord. Or if we just sing, come Lord, we're waiting. No, there has to be preparation. That's why we pray and fast. Every revival in history that I've studied, I want you to listen to this. Because again, revival is a lot of things to a lot of different people. But true biblical revival is a transformation where the church comes alive and there's repentance. One of the key things we've seen in church history is repentance preceding revival. That's, God, that's, a, that's the people of God making room for God. 
dealing with the issues of the heart, pride, humility, coming to a place of humility, coming to a place of repentance, not only, not only uh, for asking God to forgive you for outward sins, but for inward sins. Amen? Jesus, when, in, in, his, in his message, in the Sermon on the Mount, he went a little deeper than the outward sins. He went to the sins of the heart. He says, you know, those who commit adultery is one thing, he says, but if you lust after a woman, it's one thing to murder somebody, he says, but if you have hatred in your heart. You ever see some church people, real hatred? Could have some hateful people in church. I'm telling you, you don't, don't, don't mess with some church, good old church. No, nobody here. Talking about those that are not here. That's why they're not here, because they're so hateful. I'm telling you, I'm just being real. Is it all right if I be real, those of you that are watching? I don't know what you're tuned in for, but I'm telling you. But if you hate, the Bible says, Jesus says you're, you're a murderer. See, God's going deeper to the issues of the heart, the, the motives of the heart, and, and we have to prepare. We have to make room. We have to be intentional. Reading through the Bible is being intentional, making room for God so we can hear God, know God, understand God. Coming to a life group is being intentional that we can grow in relationship. Getting involved in a ministry where we begin to serve is intentional. Right? Amen? That's how we position ourselves. That's how we prepare for God, for breakthrough. You never know what God calls you to do. I remember years ago, now this is some of you young people, you gotta really, you gotta, you gotta go back with me 30 years ago. You, you won't understand this. When I was in Bible college, it was at the old campus in East Providence, and they had a bookstore sale. They were given a clearance because they were moving the bookstore. Now, again, some of you with iBooks and online videos and watching, watching stuff and not really reading anymore. I used to love books. I still do. But the actual book. And back then, I understand, so you got to go back with me. There was no iBooks. I know you, you might think, like, you really, you must be the days of no. You mean there was no internet? There was no Google. Back then, it was just books. I love books. Love the feel of them. Love the texture. Love the smell. Love looking at them. And once in a while, I'll read them. No, I'm just kidding. I do read them. But I love books. And, and there was a book sale now. And if you're a preacher and a, a teacher going into ministry, obviously, this is the, the tools of your trade. It's like, you know, copping with a hammer. You've got to have a good hammer. So, so, the books, so I went to the bookstore. And, and, you know, there's a fine line between desire and covetousness. Hello? You could want something, but if you want it too much, it could become covetous. You could want something, money, but if, if you want too much, it could become greed. Hello? Are you still with me this morning? Oh, I'm preaching so good this morning, and I only prepared for 15 minutes. No, not really. I prepared years for this. This didn't just come together 15 minutes. But I remember, and back then in Bible college, I had no, little to no money. Whatever little money I had, you know, in an envelope under my bed. God knows where you hide your money in your shoe. And, but I, I had this money, and I went, and I remember in the bookstore, running after class, hearing about this bookstore. And then, I, you know, the little covetous starts to get up there. I'm just being honest with you. I mean, none of you could relate to this because you're so holy. 
But I remember covetous. I want these. Then people, and so people start coming in, and then you're like, get out of my way. I want that. Don't get that book. And I bought, and I spent, I don't know, $30, $40. That was a lot of money back then. And I bought these books. I probably, I don't know, 10, 12 books, but commentaries, devotionals. Oh, such good books. And again, this is before the internet. So this, was, this is all you got. This is all you had to work with. And I remember, but, I, but I, I, I had this desire, but there was also covetous there. I knew there was, a, there was something in me that, mm-mm. I went to prayer that night. It was a Monday night in, in Bible college. They had prayer, but not everybody went. Just a few people went. It wasn't mandatory. I went to prayer, but you know what I found out? I couldn't pray. Because God began to deal with me in prayer. There was a there was something, there was a covetousness in my heart and God was trying to teach me a lesson. So as the more I tried to pray, the more I couldn't pray. So God began to speak to me and said, I want you to give away all those books. Oh, how do I make this relevant? Um, it's like giving a year's worth of Starbucks coffee away. it away and God began to lay upon my heart people students faculty and in that prayer meeting I had to leave the prayer meeting you say you left the prayer meeting yes because obedience is better than sacrifice I left the prayer meeting and I went knocked on doors and I brought and I gave all these books away it was like you were tearing out half of my heart it was like I was giving my firstborn away you know, when God deal, I don't know what it is for you, but maybe the Holy Spirit can reveal something that's dear to your heart right now. Oh, no, you're not, you're not getting it. You're hearing it, but you're not getting it. But anyway, I gave it all. I gave it away, and then I had such a peace, and then I can go pray. But you know what I found out? I was making room for God. Fast forward years later. I made room for God to bless me with a harvest, harvest of books that I can't even contain. Three different times. Number one, there was a, a retired uh, minister who, uh, would, who was doing my tax, clergy tax, back, back many, many years ago. And he told me, he said, I'm giving away my whole book, my whole book su uh, supply, my whole library. I'm giving it all away. He says, come and get what you want. I remember going in there, and I remember the lesson from years ago about covetousness. So I didn't want to get too many, so I'm filling up. You know those big crates where they produce in? You know those big cardboard boxes? I'm putting all my book, putting all these books, commentary, Spurgeon, devotionals. I mean, all these big commentaries. And I got a couple, and I'm just trying before God not to be covetous. And I'm saying, okay, this is enough. And, and you know what he told me? He says, no. He says, take more, take more. Then I had the green light, and I was, okay, I can be greedy. <laughs> I filled up six boxes Big, big boxes like that. And that was only one. And then another minister did the same thing. And then a third time, a harvest of books. I reap from that sowing of those few books, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books. Why? Because I made room for God. 
This morning, I want to challenge you as I bring this to a close. I want you to understand something. Now, now what, what happened? If you go back to this passage, and, and this, is, this is the good stuff right here. It's all good, but this is really good. Verse 13, and he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? What did Elisha say? He says, I've seen, I've seen your persistence. I've seen your perception. I've seen your preparation. You've been all this care. What can I do for you? God wants to say the same thing to his people. God is a debtor to no man. You cannot outgive God. You cannot outserve God. You cannot out, out, out sacrifice God. You, whatever you do, God will bless you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over in your life. He says, What can I do for you? And the woman said, Listen, I'm blessed. I don't need anything. I dwell amongst my people. I've got money. I've got possessions. I've got it all. But he said, There's one thing. You don't have a child. And he said, this time next year, you shall be with child. And the Lord blessed. The Lord blessed her. She was blessed because she made room for God. I want to challenge you today that as you make room for God, as this church makes room for God, we will see what God will do. I'm sick and tired of us waiting to see what man will do. I want to see what God will do. Sometimes we trust too much in man. We're, we fear man more than we fear God. We look to men as our supplier, whether it's at work, whether it's in the school, whether it's in a church. We look for men. No, no, let's look for God. God wants to say, what, what can I do for you? I've seen the care. I've seen the sacrifice. I've seen the consecration. Now I want to bless you. Fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus borrows Peter's boat. Peter makes room for Jesus. He makes room for God, for Jesus to come and preach the gospel. And then what does Jesus do? He gets off the boat, goes to the shore, tells Peter, I want you to launch out into the deep. Hallelujah. God is about to give you a launching out. Hallelujah. God is about to give you a blessing. And what happened? Peter, he goes in, he throws his net. It was such a great catch of fish that the boat begins to sink. How many of you believe for a boat sinking blessing? Would you stand together with me this morning? If we can just come back to the instruments. If we can believe God this morning, that the Lord, he is gracious. He is not a hard task master. Sometimes we can get a wrong perception of God. Think, God, how much do you want from me? How much sacrifice? How much suffering? How much do I have to go through? No, 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 no. God is a gracious God. Matter of fact, we say we're waiting on God to move. You know what? The reality of it is he's waiting on us. What does that mean? He's waiting for us to make room for him. He's waiting for us to prepare, to, to, to perceive what he's saying and doing so that he could come. I'm telling you, God wants to come. Amen. Amen. God wants to do something powerful. God wants to give you a, a, a boat sinking blessing, a, a, a net breaking catch of fish. God wants to say to you, what do you have need of? Come on, it's okay to tell God, you know what I need, God. But, but here it is, Lord. I'm telling 
telling you, God, you're a good God. You're a faithful God. You're a true God. Ain't, ain't this the word of God? It ain't good English, but ain't this the word? Come on, this is the word of God. This, God, do you get it? Come on, Lauren shared about getting it. Do you get it this morning? Do you really get it today? I don't want you to hear my voice. I want you to hear God speaking through me. I want you to hear. I want you to perceive God speaking and say, Lord, I believe you for 2022. Come on, we're going to sing this morning. We're going to sing this morning. I want to invite you to come to the front. We're going to have a word of prayer. And then we're going to, we're going to transition. Pastor Mike's going to come us and, and just lead in, in our giving. But, but I want you to move out of your seats this morning. I want you to make a consecration that you're going to do something that you haven't been doing. You haven't been reading the Bible, you're going to read it. Again, this ain't about a, 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 a rules or religion. It's about a relationship with God. You haven't been coming to a life group Wednesday nights. Come on. I, 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 we, we don't fear COVID. We fear God. We respect COVID, but we don't fear it. Come on. We're, we're wearing masks. We can come to the house of God. We don't have to, to wait until uh, this is over. Who knows when it's going to be over? Come on. Come on, we're, we're going to come to a life group. We're going to get involved in a ministry. We're going to begin to serve in some way. We're going to serve God. We're going to serve in a ministry. We're going we're gonna to make room for God with our lifestyle, with our attitudes, with our actions, with our money, with our resources, with our time, with our talent. We're going to make room. Come on, would you just, just, come on, just yield to God this morning as we sing and then we're going to pray.